on a power trip during Ram Power Days going on now at Bettenhausen Ram on 159th Street in Tinley Park. There's no time like now to grab life by the horns. Your best Ram buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCDJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Can I kick it? Kick it. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. With Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle, coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. How are you doing this morning, Brian? I'm doing terrific, Patrick. How about yourself? Doing okay. It was an interesting week. Uh, you know, Hawks finally end that eight-game skid with the shootout victory over San Jose. But the big story of the week was Pat Foley. Uh, after 39 seasons as the voice of the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, did his final broadcast. And it's, you know, you covered this team for a long time. You're a native Chicagoan. Uh it's really a storybook story, for lack of a better phrase there, of a broadcasting career. You know, he grew up in Glenview. Um, at age 10, he goes to a Cubs game with his dad, Bob Foley, and, and uh, they had a Buick dealership and had a, a tie with the Cubs. They go to the booth and, and they visit Jack Quinlan and Lou Boudreaux in the booth, and, and they invite a 10-year-old Pat to stay with them. Pat goes home to his mom, Mary, who we got to see on Thursday night, and she, he says to her, I know what I want to do. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the dream right there begins to be a broadcaster. So it goes to Loyola, Michigan State, ends up working first job out of Michigan State. He's a broadcaster for the Grand Rapids Owls. Dad, as I mentioned, the, the Foley Buick, uh, Michael Wirtz gets his cars from Foley Buick. So what does any smart dad do? Try to get, you know, open the door a little bit for son or daughter and get him a job Absolutely, interview or whatever. Yeah. So he slips the tape into the Buick and Michael Wirtz drives away. Let's check the stereo system out. And, and those of you uh, out there that don't know what a, a tape deck is in, in, a, yeah. in a car, ask your parents yeah. or your, your grandfather. This is before 8-tracks. This is before 8, yeah. yeah. And so uh, he ends up getting the job as uh, uh, Bill Wirtz's secretary calls him down, he lands the job, and his distinctive style, his energy that ebbed and flowed with how the game went. When the game was in a lull, he, he, he matched it. When it started to build and, and anticipation was in the... That's where Pat would take it. It was... Uh, he was Chicago through and through, Brian, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a terrific story, and it is a terrific story. And when he said last night uh, during the interview with Edzo in, in the special before the game that it may sound conceited, but he told people in Grand Rapids, watch me. when If I get this job, follow me. I'm going to keep it for 25, 25 30 years. years. No, he, he ended up he bettered for that. 39. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, no, he, he was he was fantastic, and... and uh, from his speech on Thursday night, which, by the way, the Blackhawks did a fantastic job with that. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, celebrations and pregame stuff this year. This one was off the charts great. Here's Pat Foley about how he worked for you, the Blackhawks fan. 
Thank you. I just want to say I, I've worked for a lot of radio and TV stations in this town, but really, you're the people I've uh, been working for here. It's been my pleasure and my honor to try and serve the greatest fans in the world. So for Dale Talon, who built your championship teams, for Billy Gardner, who still shines in Chicago hockey, for Eddie Olchek, Chicago's very own, who's the best analyst in sports, for the great Troy Murray, who is everything you want a Blackhawk to be. This is Pat Foley, hoping you enjoyed the broadcast. I love you. Oh, I mean, uh, I, I will say this, as great as he is as a play-by-play broadcaster, uh, when it comes to emceeing, hmm. whether it was a, a victory parade that ends at Soldier Field for the third cup, whether Which it was... Which he said he nailed, and he, he did. And he did. Yeah. Uh, whether it was like a Blackhawks convention, mm-hmm. pick the summer that that he he can really MC and and he he can pull a crowd of, in this case twenty thousand, and he's got them right in the palm of his hand. I mean, that's a talent, folks. Um, and I, I mean, there were some things that came out of a few times in the last couple weeks. He's made a point to say Dale. Ta- that was Dale Talon, the architect of those three cups. Yeah, no, he, there was no doubt. He left no doubt in anybody's mind, and that hit the loyalty that Pat showed to all of the people around him, not only in the broadcast booth. I mean, he mentioned Tony Oman. Yeah. I mean, I, I was covering that team when Tony was an intern or, or you know, Jimmy DeMaria's assistant, and Tony's still, you know, now he's the traveling secretary. He's been there all those years. The loyalty within that organization to people, and, and, and that's not lost on Pat. People, you know, who, who made his job easier every single day, he made sure that they got their acknowledgement last night as well. So, you know, he works with uh, Billy Gardner, Troy Murray, Dale Talon, uh, Eddie Olchek. Started back in 1980, went to 2006. Then he had the little breakup. Yeah. Where he actually, as, as he points out, yeah, sure, the Chicago kid goes works works for the Chicago Wolves for a couple yeah. seasons. Yeah, they're, they're winning over there. They're I, winning. I, I, I can do that. And by the way, got some Chicago Wolves tickets to give away there a little bit go. later on this morning. Um, but could you imagine if he had not returned in 2008? Oh. Can you imagine that dynasty, Brian, without his voice as the soundtrack no. to Kane, to Taves, to Keith, to Seabrook, to Sharp? No. The list goes I, I, I on and on. And, and when you hear Patrick Kane talk about going back and watching those highlights and and that he made it even better than it was or or lived, you know, met the moment with his calls on on you know playoff winning uh, goals and hat tricks. It it's just to, that would have been an absolute crime. I know you mentioned it a couple of times during the uh, the broadcast uh, on the night of the ceremony that it's so, so, so good for all of us that yeah. he was able to reunite and be here for, for the glory days after being there. One thing about Pat, like you said, not only did he you know, ebb and flow with the game, if, if the team wasn't doing cool. well, he was like the guy sitting next to you, your buddy sitting there. He was, he was stewing just like you guys were down in the, you know, up in the uh, upper balcony. And you know, he pointed out that the Wurtzes were okay with that because yep. like, he would lambaste the team at times. I mean, the Karpatsev rant is one of the all like I've never heard a broadcaster undress a player like that in all my time in all my days as I sound like uh, Hawk Harrelson but uh he, let's hear from Patrick Kane now, if there's a guy that knows 
You know how Tiger knows every shot he's ever had yes. and can tell you the hole and the club used and the wind and the lie? Patrick Kane is that to hockey. Remembers every assist, every goal. It's like an encyclopedic memory. Here's Patrick Kane on what Pat Foley meant to his career. Um, you know, you look back at certain highlights or um, different things that went on with our team. Um, he had some amazing calls. I know he probably wasn't there on many of the the uh, you know championship moments because of uh, you know the national broadcast, but. He had some amazing calls in the regular season. Even, uh, um, you know, looking back at the uh, the hat trick goal I had there against Vancouver in uh, 2009, that was, uh, um, you know, you hear his call and uh, how enthused he was with uh, with that moment. It's um, it brings more to it, right? And uh, he's been doing that ever since I've been here. You know, taking nothing away from some of the national people that have been calling. I mean, look, the, the both. TNT and ESPN has taken over, so we no longer have Doc Emmerich right. and, and Eddie O. We'll have uh, uh, Albert at one point, and we've got different different voices that are now the soundtrack from the second or third round on. Um, and, and and even on this show, on the hockey show every Saturday, on the the weeks that the Hawks have played, we're like we're bumping in with different voices, and I'm like, wow, it doesn't even. It's I, I I'm like I, I'm like oh, I forgot that 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 person called the Kane yep. you know hat trick, and it didn't sound as in my head. I had fully calling it right, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's like I I I think just as we're lucky to have great players that come through this town and put their tent down and play for for several years, uh, they're also lucky when they. Then when they hook up with a voice like that, that is the soundtrack. Like for Patrick Kane to be able to show his son, yep, you know, like okay, let me let me th- this take take a look at this, and it's like the spinorama goal. I mean, it's uh, and the fact that he asked you know asked Patrick to do a spinorama on Thursday, yeah, yeah, yeah go and, ahead, and, and, and he, he almost pulled he almost, the whole thing off, yeah, right? He gave him the old ankle breaker. Uh, you know, th- that's one thing about growing up in this town. It's you know, it, at the time was the second largest city in the country, maybe. Or third behind Houston, but it's a big town. Everybody knows everyone. You have connections. You know, you're, someone knows your brother who knows a cousin who worked with somebody. But growing up, Jack Brickhouse, right? I mean, and, and Jack did Bears games, and I think he did a Hawks. Did he do Hawks games for a while? Uh, yes, yes. And he certainly did Cubs games, and and you know, but you'd be out in the backyard washing a car or doing cutting the lawn or something. You would have Vince and Lou. In my era, right? But, you know, Jack and, and uh, Lou and, and – but Vince and Lou, when they were teamed up. So the, the fact that Pat said, you know, Harry Carey couldn't get hired now. Right. And what a shame that is. The characters we've had and the broadcasters who've been here, and Harry certainly on both sides of town, we've been so blessed. I mean, Vince Scully in L.A. is, is you know, in a whole different league. But in New York, you know, when you grow up like that and it's generational, it's just everyone – has that connection, right? Right. And and a lot of towns don't have that. A lot of towns, it's the guys trying to get to the next level, right? The right. Next market. And, and he's doing three different sports. So yeah. one minute he's doing college hoops on Tuesday, then yeah. he's doing an MLB game on Thursday, and then you might see him in the yep. in the NHL booth on Sunday. Like yeah. I mean, that's you know Adam Amin, who we're blessed with this this Absolute new generation. Talent, right. You know, he's. Able to multitask, Jason Benetti. Jason I mean, Benetti is a perfect example yeah, as well. So, but, but I mean, the the guys who just you identified, and and not only as fans identified, you saw with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tapes, 
the players identify with the guy who's on the road with them all the time and the hotels and on the buses and you know they you know they talk about the connection they have and and Jonathan Tate saying Pat's such a great storyteller and all that I mean they they grew up with him as well all right, right. I, I want to say one thing we're gonna take a break here in a second but Chris Vosters is taking over for Pat Foley and he's about 30 years of age he's a, a native of Milwaukee went to Wisconsin this is a great kid I say kid because I'm 22 years older I'm, than I'm, he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, with you. And I don't, I don't mean that disparaging. Uh, give this guy a chance, okay? He's stepping into some, some big shoes. He's not going to be Pat Foley. He doesn't he, – he knows that. He's going to be Chris Vosters. He's a hardworking guy. He does a really nice job. He's going to have the best analyst in the business, as Pat Foley always says, to his right in Eddie Olchek to help usher him in. Give this guy a shot, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think here's the thing. I'll say this. I think it's a blessing that the rebuild and the start of a new era in the booth is coincide, is, is coincide and going yeah. together, yep. okay? So that being said, I want to talk about what you mentioned, all Brickhouse and uh, Quinlan and all these, uh, the Mount Rushmore of play-by-play, not broadcasters where we can include Steve Jimmy Stone Pearson. and all that. Yeah, I'm talking play-by-play voices. Because uh, it was an interesting topic. Is Pat Foley on that for sure? Who fills out your four? That's next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. The Hockey Show. Presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. How would you describe uh, the way you call a game? What makes you unique? Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess uh, a semi-controlled uh, lunatic or something. I don't know. I, I really enjoy what I do. The spin around, centered it. A shot, they score! Dennis Tavar! Rona again on Gudinia. A spinorama! He's around him, he's in! Patrick Kane, a spinorama, backhand, he scores! Couple seconds on the power play, here's Kane, a shot, that just hits Howard, rebound! And Team Niemi! Set now! Center Kelly's right in! Hawks win! Hawks win again! What a goal! Jonathan Taves! The 50th goal of the year for Jeremy Rona! Patrick Kane to the middle of the backhand, Greg Kane! Man, there's some good stuff from those 39 seasons in the broadcast booth. Welcome back to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Uh, this morning we're uh, we're saluting. Uh, I'm just going a favorite, uh, Pat Foley. And, and I will say I've had this job now pre-post intermission for the Blackhawks for the last 11 years. So just to be part of a broadcast with him and Eddie, I feel privileged. It's uh, of my 30 years in this business. Uh, this has been the most satisfying position I've had. Now, part of that is because I, I got to cover some great teams that ended up uh, with parades at the end of the season. But to, to, uh, to work with a guy that I respect so highly as Pat and to watch him up close and personal, it's been a pretty cool thing. So uh, i got to give you my, my first real Pat Foley story. I was thrown into the hockey beat. I was at the Sun-Times, and I was coming off a bad, bad Cubs team, Jim Lefevre's Cubs team, and 
They were out of it, you know, two months into the season. Pretty miserable group of guys, you know, but for Mark Grace and some guys like that. But, you know, Sammy was worried about Sammy stats. Sure. You know, even before the, the home run chase and all that. But I, I got thrown into the hockey beat in midseason. And the idea was I was supposed to go on the road for a road trip with Herb Gould, who was doing the um, the beat at the time. And whatever they, they want, the plan changed, and they just said pretty much, you know, good good luck in Vancouver, you know, you know, make your, t- your book your ticket, you're going out there. So the late great Tim Sassone, one of my my favorite you know friends and buddies of all time, um, you know, he took me on his wing a little bit because I I'd, I'd been filling in here and there yeah. at the old stadium, but you know, but this was the year before the uh, United Center opened up. We're on Vancouver. Tim and I are out to dinner at Joe Forty's, which I googled, and they're still they're still open okay. all these years, decades later, right? And Pat comes up to our table. And says, you know, he's, he knows Tim. He's like, hey, how you guys doing? You know, why don't you come on over to our table after you're done eating and, and well, you know, have a pop or two? We we did that. You know, yeah. it was a sincere or, or three or four. Well, we go over there, and I remember Jocelyn uh, Lemieux, Brent Sutter, Dale, and Pat, and we pulled up a couple of chairs, and, and it was hockey 101, 201, and, and, laughs, and a PhD and laughs, in and, hockey, and and, and included me. This, you know, Pat was talking about the guys who helped break him in, right. and he leaned on and how, you know, they were very generous. And I wasn't a broadcaster. I was just a print guy. But that night, to just include me in, and and they locked the doors of the place. We were there for two hours past closing time. And just the laughs and the stories, and I'm just sitting there taking, soaking just it soaking all soaking it up. And I'm thinking, people kept saying, of all the things you covered, it's sometimes what I always said, hockey, because of things like that. Everyone is so genuine, and he is the most genuine of genuine. How about Lloyd Pettit was his broadcasting idol? Right, Pat. And how about when Pat is is doing games for the Grand Rapids Owls in I think in Milwaukee and Pettit came to listen to him and stood behind him for a period and then Pat interviews him and and Pettit says in the interview and they played it last night in the uh, in the montage they said I listen to you, young Pat Foley. It won't be long before you're in the National Hockey League. I mean, you talk about paying it yeah, forward and absolutely. things like that, but it's like, wow. Like it, It's a different fraternity, a different family situation absolutely. when you talk about hockey, when you compare the other sports. Um, I got a quick story about him. I'll hold it for a second. I want to hit the Mount Rushmore thing. So I didn't hear Brickhouse or Pettit. I, 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 you know, I was, I've heard their recordings. I, I, I grew up listening to Lloyd Pettit just like Pat. You know, okay. Did, yeah. So my Rushmore is basically from from the folks that I heard. So Harry Carey is is definitely on it. Pat Foley is certainly on it. And then this is it gets you know because I've got friends that I respect. Len Casper, I think he's one of the great voices uh, in all of Major League Baseball. And I think we're privileged that both sides Absolutely. of town have been able now to get a, a an example of what it's like to have him with your team each and every day. And of day. course, he's a Marquette man. So right and he's there, a Marquette guy, too. Him, yeah. uh, and so, like, th- this is this where it gets tough. Joniak, I mean, I think he does a fantastic job. So Jim I, Durham. Jim it, Durham. Okay, I grew up with... Neil the, Funk, you could... I, I grew up with the... the Jim Durham is a great call, too. The, the radio underneath the pillow, listening to the Bulls, you know, back in the day, before, long before they were great. And, you know, right into uh, the... You listen to the entire game and right into Contact on WIND, yeah. right? Yeah. And end up working with him. So, I mean, it's just like, again, 
I think anyone of a certain age had those transistor radios, and you did bring it to school and tried to, you know, sneak the the earpiece up and sure. make sure the nuns didn't see you listening to a baseball game. But certainly at night, it was underneath your pillow. So, so my Mount Rushmore Chicago play by play again. It's Harry Carey, it's Pat Foley, Pat Hughes is on there, and then the last one. And again, I re- I, I went with Hawk Harrelson because I was I was looking for the larger than life and. Kind Hawkisms, of the, I mean, Hawkisms. The yeah. and that's the interesting thing about Pat. Pat didn't necessarily have Patisms. He didn't say have gas, and you know he gone. Right. You know he didn't right. have that stuff. Um, but he had Bannerman. Like, but th- that's a little more organic. It only applies to Bannerman. Hey, I learned last night where Tree Turdy tur- Tree and the Turd came from, yeah. and from the Montreal games up there because they would announce in French and English, and the English translation said it's like they don't have an H up there. So I, I, we're in good hands too, as we mentioned with Adam Amin and Jason Benetti and 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 Chris Foster's and these young guys that are coming along here. And and when someone host does this show on the hockey show in twenty years, they're going to have different people on their Absolutely. Mount Rushmore. Who who are your four that are that are on there? Okay, well Jim Durham is definitely there. Okay, um, Lloyd Pettit because they were formative years. I mean, I used to hang out at Gunzo's. On Madison Avenue, when the players actually went and bought their own equipment <laughs> at Gunzos, yeah, they pick it up, and I'd be waiting, sitting outside, wait on my bike, waiting to get autographs from you know Reggie Fleming. He's going in to get skates or whatever. So, uh, and Harry Carey, certainly both sides of town, he's got sure. this and larger than life, and and having been covering the Cubs when he was still Harry and and hitting the ground running in New York. And getting uh, you know getting to the hotel at seven in the morning, <laughs> some of the rest of us. So Harry's there. Um, and what's the last one? It's got to be Pat Foley. Okay, it's got to be Pat Foley because I you know I, I was around that team for 10, 12 years and both on and off, you know games off days and having fun and but just knowing the passion and and the excitement and and the energy he brings every day. All right, quick story on how Pat is is larger than life in this town. So I've mentioned so I've been in in, in Chicago twenty years. Uh, and uh, for the last 10, 11, I've been with the Blackhawks. So I'm going to play golf at a North Shore club. This is probably 2012-ish, 13, something like that. Playing with my brother, a friend, whatever. We're at this club, and word gets around that Pat from the Blackhawks is is teeing off, and he's here. So, uh, And I'm standing on the tee box on one, and there was probably about 70 yards between the pro shop and the first tee. And I see this person, and, and they're, they're t- telling me, like, hey, hold on a second. Somebody wants to say... I'm like, okay. I'm like, I, I know where this is going. So this guy comes bounding out of the pro shop, and he's in a full sprint. And as he gets to about 30 or 40 yards away, he starts to slow it down to a jog and then to a skip. He thinks he's coming out to meet Pat Foley, not, <laughs> not Pat Boyle from the Black Hawks. So every once in a while, we would get just be obviously same name, uh, connected to team. Obviously, we're di- way different people. <laughs> but to see the crestfallen look as oh. this guy's at full speed, like I'm going to get Pat Foley's autograph, sweaty, and dude. then all of a sudden it's a that's not Pat, and then it's a jog, and then it's a a saunter up high. How you doing? How you doing? Nice, nice to, to meet you. Nice yeah, to meet you. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's that was my uh, introduction of just how, how larger big. than life this guy is, and how people are so excited to meet him, and then when they don't meet him, it, <laughs> they slow it down. It's uh, it's like uh, you know you mentioned Montreal and Red Fisher, the you know he, he lost, we lost him a few years ago at ninety one, but Red was the the 
dean of print in Montreal, right? Uh-huh. And I remember being in line with him up in the uh, media dining room. Yeah. And the woman behind the counter says, uh, usual red? And he said, sure. Three fingers of scotch before the game. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, why not? Uh, uh, he's old, right into that. Old school. But there I mean, you go. I mean, but the, anyone like Pat or these guys who've been around the team, everyone just knows them and they know their drink order, too. Hey, coming up, Mark Lazarus joins us from The Athletic. First, though, I've got a four-pack of Wolves tickets to give away to the April 23rd, Saturday, April 23rd, against Milwaukee. And guess what, Brian? It's Carmen Yurko night at Allstate. Carmen and Yurko night on skates? Apparently the boys are going to be on the ice at Allstate Arena. It is Carmen Yurko night at uh, at the Wolves game, April 23rd. So since Yurko was number 64, uh, caller 64, you win the four-pack to the Wolves game, April 23rd, Carmen Yurko night. Uh, and we'll continue the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Mark Lazarus of The Athletic joins us after this. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. 11 o'clock pregame, NBC Sports Chicago. And uh, I do know that we won't have Pat Foley on the call. It'll be Chris Fosters and the one and only Eddie Olchek. Let's uh, bring in Mark Lazarus from The Athletic. Uh, Mark, we've been spending the, the, the first half of this show talking about Pat Foley's career. You've been on this beat now uh, for over a decade. Uh, your thoughts on the voice of the Blackhawks hanging it up? No, man, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Like, if there's one bright spot to these two miserable seasons of COVID, is that I've got to watch a lot more Blackhawks games than I used to because we didn't travel all of last year. Right. And I got to, you know, I usually, for years and years and years, I never watched the Blackhawks on TV because I was always at the game. Thanks. And, Appreciate uh, that, Mark. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't read anything you write either, buddy. I, could, I was in the building. You can't get the TV. It's blacked out. I understand. I understand. I understand. But it's been nice. It's like, you know, I can actually sit there and listen to Pat and Eddie call a game, and and it's it, it's been it's been one of the few joys of COVID hockey. Uh, it, it, it's hard to uh, uh, you know I you know I'm not a Chicago guy. I wasn't born and raised in Chicago, but I've been around you know twenty some odd years now for the most part. And you know these guys become institutions, and it's like Jigs and Eddie for me when I was. Uh, uh, growing up as an Islanders fan, I couldn't imagine anyone other than Jiggs McDonald calling an Islanders game. And that's what Pat Foley is to so many people where it's, you know, Chris Bosters is going to come in and he's going to do a great job, but it's going to be hard for fans because it's not the voice that they've heard. They're in uh, the soundtrack of their lives. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's the kind of impact a guy like Pat Foley has. Yeah, and I, I don't think anymore that uh, the new wave of uh, broadcaster closes down the Elephant and Castle in Ottawa and the manager locks the door and we're there till late in the morning with Dale and Pat drinking. Like, oh, we're not getting to the morning it's skate in that, that day. In, in, that, my, in that same mode, could you imagine an 11-30 game in Nashville just a, a maybe six or seven years ago? Oh, man. When everybody was at Tootsie's or Legends till about <laughs> four in the morning? <laughs> Drink, drinking the city. what that hockey game would look like? Yeah, drinking the city dry as the, as <laughs> Chicago fans did uh, back in the day. Not just that, the Hawks themselves would roll in 10, 15, That's 20 true. deep to these places back in the day. Now they're all drinking their vitamin waters. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I want to transition into to Jonathan Taves. We got to talk to him earlier in the week, and it's going to you've you've had a, a great connection with the captain uh, in recent years, and um, it's going to be interesting to see how he digests because he's been asked a few times now about kind of what 
his thinking is and, and where he's at with a rebuild. And I, from my vantage point, it's almost like he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to uh, to acknowledge that, that that we are in the throes of a rebuild. What, what has been your take as you've watched Johnny kind of internalize this and, and kind of absorb what, what's going on with him in, in the Blackhawks hockey business? I think that's exactly what it is. He's grappling with it. He's trying to absorb it. He's, he's never in his life at any level thought about not trying to win. And the Blackhawks are not trying to win next season. I mean, they're gonna, they very well could bring back Kevin Lankin and Colin Delia as their goaltending duo because why would you go out and improve when you're trying to, you know, if they don't win the draft lottery this year, why would you try to get better next year when you have a shot at, you know, Connor Bedard? Like, and I think Jonathan Taves is trying to internalize that and think, what does that mean for me? Because being the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks means a lot to Jonathan Taves. He does not, I am certain that he does not want to go somewhere else. But he also is trying to decide. I think he generally doesn't know what he wants to do yet. He has to decide, you know, whether he wants to be a part of a, of, it's been what, seven years since they won a playoff series? Yeah. And he's got to decide whether he can handle another three or four years. He's, you know, half of his prime was spent kind of walking in the wilderness here after the first half of his prime was nothing but glory and success. And I, I genuinely think it's so, this season has been such a challenge for him physically and mentally after missing all of last season that I don't think he's really had the bandwidth to process how he feels about this yet. I think that's going to come in the offseason. He's supposed to talk to Kyle Davidson uh, sometime soon about, you know, get to, just to get more firsthand information of what they're thinking, what they expect of him, what they want from him. Because here's the thing. Jonathan Taze would be a really good piece of this rebuild. He's great with younger players. He always has the time for them. He always works with them on face-offs after morning skate. He invites them into their home to live with them. Reese Johnson is uh, and is living there, and his, his right. dog is shedding all over John's <laughs> carpet, and you know the captain doesn't like that. This is what I'm saying. I think people think of him as this curmudgeonly old guy, and, and it was Brent Seabrook who did that stuff. Jonathan Taze <laughs> has always done this stuff. He's the guy who invites you to dinner the first day you know you, you come you, you, that you join the Blackhawks as a rookie or as a as trade acquisition. He could be a, a perfect – you look at what the Kings have been doing, and they've been getting back up. You look at what Dustin Brown has become to that team, what Andre Kopitar has been to that team. Jonathan Taze could do that, and you need guys like that. Taze and Kane can still do that. They can be the pillars that kind of usher this next generation in. They have to decide whether they want to. And I genuinely don't know. I think Jonathan Taves does not know if he wants to do that just yet. And that's fair. He's focused on the season right now. He's focused on his health. And then come April 29th, he'll have time to sit down and go, all right, what do I want to do here? Here's Taves on talking to Kyle Davidson and the coaching staff about the rebuild. I like to sit down more often with uh, Kyle and our coaching staff. And I just think that sometimes it helps me to hear their honesty. And I just think it helps to uh, have that line of communication, to know what they expect out of me. And I know what they, they need, and I know what my job is as a player and as a captain in the locker room because I think part of the frustrating thing these last couple of games is obviously there's, you know, we're moving the lines around this and that, but, I mean, that's just an example. Um, so, yeah, it, it would be good to know exactly what what's going on in some detail to a certain extent. And... And uh, then I can control what I can control and just go about my job. I mean, not only does the captain have to kind of figure out if he's up for the rebuild and the timeline of that, but he needs to figure out where his game is at. He, you know, he said a couple weeks ago he still thinks the best is yet to come. Uh, that's still a work in progress, Mark. Yeah, and first of all, I think we should point out, like, he's, you know, 
he's this has come up a few times now in the last month or so, uh, basically since Kyle Davidson was named GM full time and the Brandon Hagel trade. He's not bringing this stuff up unsolicited. We're asking him these right, questions. Right. He's not sitting there just kvetching. Like, we're specifically <laughs> asking him, what do you think about the rebuild? Do you want to be a part of the rebuild? What do you think about the rebuild? What about the rebuild? How about this rebuild? So, I mean, he's, he's, he's openly answering our questions, so we can't complain about that. But, yeah, I, 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 Jonathan Taves is so, you know, he has a self-belief that I think most of us could only dream of having. And he genuinely believes that, yeah, he's 34 years old next month, or actually just a couple of weeks. And he still thinks that he can become the best version of himself. Now, the Blackhawks don't believe that. I think most hockey people don't believe that because it just doesn't happen at 34. And, and he was so ridiculously good in his 20s that it's unrealistic for him to be that again. That said, oh, boy, he could be a really good third-line center, couldn't he? He could be an absolute beast as a third-line center who's making, what, $4 million a year for the next three years? Like, that's a contract if I'm the Blackhawks that I'm interested in. Is yeah, Jonathan Taves interested in that? I don't know. Yeah, that's the if he thing. Goes somewhere else, he's not going to be the number one center somewhere else. Right. That's, that's true. Not that's true. For him. Well, well, help us out with this because uh, Pat and I were talking about it before the show when he talked also Thursday about having meeting after meeting after meeting and just being, you know, it's incredulous to him that that people are just checking out and, and you're just not even showing up because of losing in the tail end of the season. And and he went on to say twenty thousand people here. The the lives were blessed with. You know, paraphrasing. What? Why wouldn't you show up every day and bring it? And Derek King chalked that up to frustration. And I almost sounded like Derek King was a little defensive that, you know, Jonathan Taves talked about leading the league in team meetings, about, you know, trying to bring effort. Can you tell us what, what he meant by that? Is that just frustration, like Derek King said? Or is, he, is there more of a message there that the message isn't getting through from coaching staff to players? I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily a commentary on the coaching staff as much as it is a commentary on his teammates, if anything, right? Right. I mean, you know, Jonathan Taves is not going to tolerate passengers. He wants active participants, and especially on a team like this where so many guys are fighting for their NHL careers, fighting for contracts, fighting for jobs. There's no excuse to not be giving your effort, right? And it's interesting because Patrick Kane was asked basically directly, I think with Phil Thompson of the Tribune, said, you know, uh, are guys checking out here and Kane was absolutely adamant that they were not, that everybody was still fully engaged in the process and Tave is kind of hinting that maybe that's not the case and if Derek King does keep having to have these meetings it suggests that there's a problem with the effort right? Like King is right when he says that the team just isn't good enough to compete but the effort needs to be there and if it's not then that's troubling and that's a problem all around, that's a problem with the players, it's a problem with the coaching staff, that's even a problem with your captain right? The captain has to set that tone so, you know, he's taking a different tack than Derek King. Derek King is trying to be like, you know, we're going to get everybody on board here. And maybe Jonathan Taves is playing the bad cop there. I mean, that's a role that he is, you know, capable of playing. He's hard on his teammates. He's always been hard on his teammates. Mark Lazarus from The Athletic joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. So, uh, coming up this summer, Kyle Davidson is uh, is going to talk to uh, the agents for Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves, which is Pat Persson. And uh, and for Al- Alex Dabrinkit, he's also entering the final year of his deal. Do you, do you assume it's a fait accompli that they get a contract done with with Dabrinkit, or do you think uh, Alex is waiting to to see exactly the direction that that Kane and Taves decide to go, and and maybe Alex his appetite would be different if eighty eight nineteen decide to leave town? I don't think anything is uh, a given at this point. I certainly think that Dabrinkit's going to be back, but I can't tell you that for sure. I don't think anyone is 100% safe here, except for maybe Seth Jones. And that's just the way it is. I mean, and probably Kirby Doc. 
Now, you certainly to bring it seems like a logical choice to build around, and I do think the Blackhawks will do that. But Kyle Davidson, he has come in, and he's not messing around. He's not pretending that this situation is anything other than it is. He is blunt and honest and realistic about where this team is. And when you trade a Brandon Hagel, who's 23 years old, on a great contract, really good, an identity piece, and well-liked, you're sending a clear signal that this team isn't going anywhere the next couple of years. So all these players have to decide that. But what's really going to be interesting is on July 13th, that's when Kane, Taves, and Debrinket are all eligible for contract extensions, right? Because they're all be exactly one year out from free agency. Uh, 2014, Kane and Taves signed their matching contracts, their, the, the big ones, the $10.5 million ones, seven days after the opening. So what happens when it's a week and a half past that, two weeks past that, and Kane and Taves aren't signed yet? Debrinket's not signed yet. This becomes a story, right? Oh, yeah. What happens if the Brinkett signs, but Kane and Taze don't? What happens? Can you imagine if Kane signs an extension and Taze doesn't? I mean, no, there's almost no way to win here if you're Blackhawks PR at this point, because it's go, no matter what happens, if, the, if, if Kane, Taze, and the Brinkett aren't all locked up over the summer, that's all anyone's going to be talking about at training camp. It's not going to be about you know Kirby Doc taking the leap. It's not going to be about Lucas Reichel's first full season. It's not going to be about the young guys battling for jobs. It's going to be Kane, Taze, Kane, Taze, Kane, Taze, Brinkett. Well, and then, so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle that because, you know, you know, maybe they don't care about distractions, but if Jonathan Taze is not signed and Kane is, or vice versa, or however it works, they, they, they've been joined at the hip forever. And it's going to become a huge story that's going to be asked about every... Can you imagine when they go into Toronto, when they go into Calgary, and the Canadian press descends on these guys, and are you here? Are you going to trade at the deadline? Are you going to sign we already heard the, the Kane rumors at this trade deadline yeah. a little bit, right. right? Like, it's going to be deafening. And like I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna be the first one in there screaming about it, you know, making a big stink about it because it's a huge story. These are arguably the two most important players in franchise history, and they will be lame ducks if they don't sign this summer. It's gonna be a fascinating, fascinating process. Well, that said, Taves even said uh, Thursday, you know, we're changing lines and everything else. Well, you've got eight games now, including today, remaining um, or seven. What what do you do? If you're the Blackhawks, because Jonathan Taves was very happy that the top line was reunited and also produced, and the lines are back in to what he was used to, and again it goes back to the question of how much stomach he has for a rebuild. But just from now to the end of the season, what do you do? Well, yeah, I mean the problem was they traded away his favorite line mate, right. Brandon Hagel, and Dominic Kubalik, who's been you know his most frequent line mate, has just fallen off a cliff. So Taves is the one who kind of gets screwed in this process because the Brinkett Strom Kane works so well together. So, yeah, I understand his frustration. And I do think when, when he says, I want to talk to Kyle Davidson, I don't think he's saying, I want to make decisions for the Blackhawks. He just wants to know. He wants to be completely in the know. He wants to be told exactly what they're thinking. And I know that there's a, you know, the, the, a line of demarcation, separation of church and state between players and management. But if any two players in all of the NHL have earned the right to be in some of those conversations, it's Taves and Kane, right? I got no problem with Taves wanting to be kept abreast of everything that Kyle Davidson is thinking. I think that's completely fair, and I think even Davidson would agree with that, that there's no, there's no problem. As long as Taves isn't like, no, this is what you have to do, then I want to talk to Jonathan Taves if I'm Kyle Davidson. I want to keep him happy, and I do want his input because he knows the league better than Kyle Davidson does. I want to know his input. Another minute here with Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. Lucas Reichel plays 10th game, so the Hawks are burning year one of the entry-level deal. Still searching for that first point. Uh, I, I guess my message to fans would be, be patient with this guy. I, I, I do think uh, they're going about this the right way. How do you see it, Mark? 
hundred percent. And I think Kirby Doc's a perfect example of what you don't want to do. And Derek King has alluded to that a few times that he was rushed. And now you got these fans turning on Kirby Doc, even though he's 21 and is a pretty good all-around player who's just not scoring at a super high rate. And I get this vitriol from all the Blackhawks fans about how he sucks and we hate him. You don't want that to happen to Lucas Reichel at 19 years old. You want to be patient, take your time. You know, letting him burn the contract year, they think that's going to make it more affordable for his bridge deal. That's fine, but he's going to be a year closer to UFA status. And if he becomes the player you want him to be, you might regret that in a few years. But I understand the process here. But you do want to take it slow. Uh, the, the, the Stan Bowman era of rushing guys to the NHL has to stop, especially if you're in a long-term rebuild. By the way, what did you think of Pat Foley pointing out a few times in the last week that uh, Dale Talon was the architect of the three ch- cup teams? You know, it was it was funny. Don't get me wrong, but uh, don't forget Mike Smith, who drafted Keith and Steve Crawford, and don't forget Stan Bowman made a lot of nice moves between 20, that 2010 team was not Stan Bowman. Right. That 2013 and 2015 team had Bowman's hands all over. He deserves credit for those. Abs- yes, absolutely. That was a three-headed monster of GMs that built that team, and Dale Talon did, did a lot of the heavy lifting. Good call, Mark. Keep up the great work, and we'll uh, we appreciate you uh, coming on the hockey show throughout the season. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. We're back to wrap things up on the hockey show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. We've had meeting upon meeting on this subject, and and, uh, I just think that uh, we have 20,000 people coming to watch us play. It doesn't really matter where we're at in the standings. We should go out there and play for them. Um, So to me, that's what it comes down to. I mean, we get to play for the Blackhawks in front of 20,000 people in Chicago, why Why would you check out ever? So, uh, yeah, I don't think that should be an issue. Is it is it tough for you to, like, obviously the home record is it's even worse than the road record this year. Is that kind of weigh on you that the fans aren't really getting what they're used to? For sure. Uh, for sure. I feel that pressure. And, you know, um, I think across the board these last few outings have been pretty embarrassing, I would say. Uh, regardless of the score, regardless of if it's a win or loss, the effort just wasn't there, and there's no connection on our team game, and just no valuing uh, what we have and what we get to play for and for our fans. So, uh, yeah, definitely wasn't a good feeling in the, these last couple games. Strong words from the captain, Jonathan Taves. That was before the Hawks ended that eight-game skid on Thursday night and a 5-4 shootout victory over San Jose, and you had alluded to it uh, earlier in our conversation with Mark Lazarus uh, about um, you know them having meetings and and, uh, and about matching the intensity of the opponent, and uh, you know they're taking on a team today that's in the the playoff hunt sure. in Nashville, uh, and you heard Jonathan Taves from his vantage point, like very you, matter of fact, but also like doesn't understand how this is even a subject from right. one meeting, let alone multiple meetings. Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm with them on that, especially in a young team oh, where there's crazy. so many jobs that are open and a bunch of guys that are going to be restricted free agents or, or UFAs. Like, what do you like if if you can't make it on this team, you're probably not going to make it on another team. Like, you know, Brandon Hagel went from the first line here 
to the third line in Tampa. Yeah. Then that, it's, that's because the rest of the teams have better talent than the Blackhawks. So if you don't stick here, the next stop is the AHL or yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, Seattle's not calling because they want to see you not show right. up over there. That, and Derek King did say, you know, he gets it. He understands the frustration. He keeps using the word frustration. So is Jonathan Taves. But I think there's a little bit of disconnect. I think Jonathan Taves is wondering why people are going through the motions when they have no valid reason to go through the motions. They haven't earned anything. They haven't, and he's earned every right to go through the motions, and, and he can't even let that thought come into his head. Kirby Doc's banged up. He's not going to play uh, in all likelihood against Nashville today. Lucas Reichel will be back in the lineup for his 10th game, so they'll burn the first year of his entry-level deal. You're coming up next, 10 to 10.30, little uh, sports Yeah, we Yeah, uh, the Bulls, big uh, series. We're going to make a case for them to actually upset Milwaukee, or you can. Really? Three, one, are, two, you three, drink- three, two. are you doing three fingers before that show? Three fingers of scotch, Red Fisher uh, <laughs> breakfast, yeah. My thanks to uh, Jake Cantu, as always, our great producer. Producer as Tyler Aki has moved on to bigger and better things. Congrats to Tyler on that. Thanks to Mark Lazarus of The Athletic for joining us. And thanks to our great sponsors, uh, the Chicago Wolves and Bentonhausen, CDJR in Tinley Park. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Hockey Show. Hawks in Nashville, pregame on NBC Sports Chicago at 11 a.m. And we'll see you next Saturday on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. been listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. Did you miss something? Yeah, pretty sure you did. Podcasts are a click away on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000.